welcome to episode 173 of Brutal Battle. Yes, so uh, this is the last episode in the recording session for Mr. Dan Kim. Uh, it's sad. It's so sad. We're going to see you go after this, but you'll be back at some point in the future, I'm sure. Unless unless I have some sort of untimely death, and which oh. in this case, that'll be my last recording. <laughs> so... I think instead of uh, instead of going through uh, beer googles, I should just say my will. <laughs> I prefer the beer googles. Fine, we can do that one. Have your way. All right, so we're going to do beer googles, and we are on the letter N at this point. So I'm on Google, and I'm going to put in how come beer, and put in an N. Oh, okay. So sometimes it does this where it just will show like one or two words then at the end of whatever sentence. So, when I put in how come beer and this is what I get. Not vegan. Nitrogenated. Nice. Name. And nuts. How come beer nuts? <laughs> how come beer nuts? It might actually be like, how come they serve beer nuts in bars? I don't know. Okay, so... I'm just speculating. What was the first one again? Not vegan. Alright, so I'm interested in either not vegan, nuts, or nitrogenated. Nitrogenated. So, okay. Let's do not vegan because that's the first one. Sure. I, I view that as like the tiebreaker because it's the most popular, I guess. Uh, so the first thing that comes up is a blog, um, which public service announcement blog is not news, people. It's opinions. Um, so uh, is your beer vegan is the question. Oh, I'm sorry. The blog itself is kblog dot lunchboxbunch.com super memorable yeah i know it's so long so it says is your beer vegan guinness isn't corona is <laughs> so okay every saint patrick's day millions celebrate by dr by downing a tall frosty glass of guinness stout it's very timely because we were just talking about guinness recently um however i'll bet many of those beer guzzlers don't know that the beverage beverage they are drinking is not vegan is your beer vegan? Actually, I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop this article right there. I don't think, I don't think barely anyone drinking a beer is thinking, "Is this vegan?" Or even assuming it's vegan. Let's all right. Let's say that in your mind, what percentage? Of, uh, let's let's limit it to Americans. Okay. What percentage of Americans in your mind are vegan? <sighs> Man, of the total population. All right. So let. Let's say adults. Okay, adult population, like two percent. Yeah, I w I would say in that ballpark. I would yeah. I was gonna say less than one percent, but I but a two percent is reasonable as well. Yeah, reasonable <laughs> guess. All right, back to the article. It's true. Both beer and wine are sometimes processed using animal byproducts, including gelatin, casein, casein. Oh, casein, uh, glycerin, or in the case of Guinness. Isn't glass. Isn't glass is a byproduct of the fishing industry. Guinness's statement on the matter. They say all Guinness brands are free from animal matter. However, isn't glass, which is a byproduct of the fishing industry, is used as a fining agent for settling out suspended matter in the vat. The isn't glass is retained in the floor of the vat, but it is possible that minute quantities might be carried over into the beer. Uh, rule of thumb, vegans should avoid British beer and choose German or Belgian beer. Generally, British beers use isinglass, uh, gelatin, glycerin, or casein. Uh, German and Belgian beers use, uh, use traditional methods of brewing and are vegan. Hooray for purity laws. 
uh, the rule that only the ingredients of, uh, of water, grain, barley, or wheat, hops, and yeast can be used in German beer. The Heizgebot or whatever that's right. called. Heizgebot. Yes, exactly. So, and then they um, they say a little bit more, but it's nothing all that interesting. And then so they say, Guinness is using the Isenglas as a um, as a way of as as a way of taking out particulate matter. Yes. As, so they're yep. using it as mm-hmm. uh, as a pure uh, cl- like a clearing agent, clarifying agent, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. a useful thing. <laughs> no, it is, but but there are different ways to do it, such as. Phil at Independent Brewing uses um, Brewer's Clarex, which the one of the side effects, good side effects of it is... It's gluten-free. It gets rid of gluten, which is like, whoa. Eh. So you're opening it up for a bunch of other people. So uh, this person in their, in their blog post has a list of beers that are vegan, but I'm not even going to read that because it's so limited to, like, most well-known, like, macro crap. And then they have mostly vegan, and then they have not vegan. So I'll just read the not vegan. Wait a minute. All right. <laughs> this is this is a situation where you can, like, this is a language thing. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're either unique or not unique. You can't be very unique. You're either virgin or not a virgin. You're either vegan or not vegan. So this thing about mostly vegan is crap. Unless you're a born-again vegan, just like born-again virgins, because those exist. Oh, so it's like those vegetarians who who eat bacon? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So the the beers that that are placed on the not-vegan list are Foster's, Guinness, like we talked about, Lighthouse Brewing. This is the not-vegan? Yeah. Morehouse, Murphy's Irish Stout, Sol, S-O-L. Uh, wooden hand brewery. brewery this is such a random list. Yeah, it's very random. So okay, so that's the end of beer googles. You know. <laughs> so um, wait, no, no, no. What was the list of vegan actual vegan beers? They're all. Like, I didn't want to list it. It's, it's right. just like your most common things, basically. All it's, right, fine. It wasn't the best. It was interesting at first, but then it just got not interesting. <laughs> so I just enjoy blogs, it. man. Blogs, whatever. <sighs> So anyway, uh, the the actual topic I wanted to talk about for this episode has to do with um, a practice that one particular brewery, which actually we were using as an example most recently, Union Brewing in Baltimore. Um, I was having one of their double duck pins, which actually had been on the show, some, was it sometime last year? Or, no, I think the year before that, and is one of the best beers that's ever been on the podcast. Double uh, duck pin imperial, that's their double, yeah, their imperial IPA. IPA. Yeah, they're IPA. Um, so I was drinking one of those the other night, and I was just starting to think about it. I'm like, man, why don't I have this on hand more often? Because it's a really nice beer. It had been a while since I'd had it. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm reveling in the flavors of it, I'm just thinking, and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's only, the way they release it, they only release a one batch like every three months. And then I just started thinking about why they do that and the benefits of that. And then I started thinking, I was just like, you know what? This whole idea of releasing hoppy beers every three months could be a really good idea for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, why why should it not be proposed that everyone should just do a three-month cycle with all their hoppy beers? Do a, a limited batch, and then that way it could potentially help to cut down, in my opinion, cut down on 
the amount of old hoppy beers you get on the shelf. And although I know that like that it could still happen, it would be a lot less and it would be a lot easier for uh, people who work at liquor stores or beer stores to just like move the small amount that's still left to the very front or get rid of it altogether. Mm-hmm. But um, that was kind of my thought. But what I do mean, you... I don't, I don't. So a couple of things. So I don't think that you have to have a three month specifically, but mm-hmm. I think. Uh, uh... Well, but if you think about it, real, I'm sorry, real quick to interrupt you on that, since you said you don't, don't think it has to be three months. I think it's good at three months because the typical rule is hoppy beers are good for three months. Oh, that like man. they're best for three <clears throat> months. So with that being said, you could basically, if you're a brewery who wanted to do this or a liquor store who wanted to do this, you could say, you know, at that point when the new shipment comes in, you just get rid of the old stuff. Either the brewery takes it back or the liquor store dumps it. Okay, so most breweries, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because mm-hmm. I could very well be wrong. Might most, not know the answer, though. Most breweries have basically three kinds of beers. They have their year-round releases, where mm-hmm. these beers are available every day of the year. And then they have their kind of like seasonals. Their, their seasonals, and then they have their kind of one-offs, or, yeah. their, or their kind of specials. They have specials, but then... Um... There's also a fourth, which is usually like fourth and or fifth, which they usually have like their barrel series or like a sour series. Right. So. Right. Which are also kind of one-offs too, but they differentiate those as, you know, different categories. Right. So, uh, so in the case of Double Duck Pin, mm-hmm. right, they release it every three months. Right, but they release it in such a small quantity that it invariably you run out of it, and then you have to wait for the next release. Right? There have been random occasions where I found it sticking around longer than you would think it would. Right. But for the most part, it pretty much sells out. So the argument against it is that if you're, you're not keeping up with demand, yeah, you're you're so if you make too much, then all the beer that you have left over that didn't sell and then the new batch came in, that is now garbage. Right. But let me throw this out there. There is something, in my opinion, to be said for making someone wait for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think because because I feel this way, too. If there's a beer that's always available for me, I'm not going to go to it. Because I'm more concerned with going to the stuff that's not sticking around. Right. So with a model like putting these hoppy beers out, or at least in the instance of Double Duck Pin, out every three months, I know that if I see it, I'm compelled to get it. Right. For that reason, because I'm like, oh, God, I can't let this go by because this is the one time I'm going to see it in three months. Well, this is something not it's not contained in beer. I mean, it's not solely in beer. In fact... This has been something that's sticking in my craw in a lot of different areas in my life mm-hmm. about the just the concept of artificial scarcity, mm-hmm. you know, and like with diamond industry, they do that with the diamond, diamond industry. industry. And if you watch, Oil. yeah, if you watch Carlin's uh, other YouTube videos, he does all these unboxing videos of um, of like oh, your horror yeah. stuff. And like rare figures and stuff yeah, like, like that. Quote yeah, like quote-unquote rare figures mm-hmm. where they're making a million of these 
of type A and then 25 of type B, but A and B cost the exact same thing to make. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why B is scarce other than the fact they want to make it scarce. Yes. And they're just creating... Right. So Creating demand. They're creating artificial demand because uh because whatever yeah because whatever and you know but you're you're with the beer at least you're maintaining i think by doing that you're maintaining interest in that particular beer yeah you know because like with anything like you you start taking it for granted if it's always available if you have some a beer and you really like it and it only comes out every who knows however many months you're going to like that beer for a long time, right. most likely. So, there, I mean, there's a give and take with this. Because yeah. if you... Okay, so if you make too much, that's you're wasting money, right? Right. But even if you make enough so that it's... That you time it perfectly, that you run out on your last beer, and then the next... you On your last duck pin, and the next day you get your new shipment in. Mm-hmm. Then you're running into your problem where, like, oh, it's available all the time. So, therefore, I'm not really looking forward to it. Whatever. But on the other side, if you're making it so that you're creating this huge demand and it runs out two days later, then that's an inefficiency too. Because, because you could be selling more of that. Yeah, because you could be selling more of it. So yeah. it's like it's like demand versus profit. Right. You know, interest versus actually selling beer. But <laughs> I think you have to, to be smart enough as the brewery to look at what you're using your tank space for. So if it's a situation where you're, you know, you, you're selling out really fast of whatever beer you're doing because you're only releasing it every now and then. Um, but everything else that you're making is having the same situation happen, then you're fine because you're, you're keeping your tank full and you're selling everything. But if it is a situation where, you know, say you're selling a ton of your IPA when you release it every three months and you're selling it so fast and then you're using that tank space in the meantime to make like, I don't know, like some sort of like Pilsner that that seems like the market's not really taking to and it's just sticking around and it's not selling all that well. Well, then, yeah, you're waste, you're definitely wasting that tank space in that respect. Yeah. But you would hope that these breweries would keep their eye on those numbers which right. I think that most of them probably do, right. and kind of figure out what's appropriate. And when we're talking about tank space specifically, I mean, one, we're talking about cost of ingredients, and we're talking about length of time in the tank, mm-hmm. and then actually selling how popular it is. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity cost that happens if, you, if you're doing a beer that costs a lot of money, and then it sits in the tank for a long time, and then it doesn't sell that well. Yeah. That's a lot of opportunity cost that you're, right. that you're losing. Another thing I want to point out about it, though, is especially with smaller breweries, if you are maintaining a cycle like this double duck pin cycle and you don't have the ability to make a ton of beer all the time, uh, you're freeing up tank space to try other stuff. Right. So you know that you can make that sale when it's coming up every three months, but in the meantime, you're freeing up tank space to try other stuff and see what sticks. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, you can be more experimental. Yeah, like, exactly. Take us free. Yeah. Which, and people really want that, especially when they're coming to your tap room. They want to try, like, these special one-offs. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, tickers are still a thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, me, me and you are still tickers, even yeah. though we're... Begrudgingly almost. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm hating the ticker side of me, <laughs> I but know, I me still too. can't help myself. Yeah. Like, I it's, hate it's that I want to... It's a compulsion now. Yeah, I hate that I want to try this, 
but I still want to try it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. I definitely do. Yeah, but um, I don't know. So, so after all we talked about, yeah, I in think the, it in be, the end, what do you think? Is it a good end, idea or not? In the end, it's it's a real dance. It's yeah. a real dance these breweries have to do, and uh, you know, every, we we want them to. We want as consumers, we want the consideration to be what's the coolest beer that you can make, you know, whatever. From their perspective, it literally is about what is the most money-making thing that we can be doing. Right, yeah. So, well, not 100%, because some of these breweries, they just want to be able to make different stuff. I mean, yes, they want to be able to make money, but some of them, it's not about how much money can they make. It's, it's about the balance between like, yeah, I want to make sure I'm making money, but I also want to make sure I'm having fun and making these new beers that I want to make. There is that. Uh, it's very true. Yeah, that's a consideration, yeah. but this is a competitive market with, with, with new breweries popping up all the time. All the friggin' time. It's a fight for survival these days, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> So in the end, if, if someone says you have to say yes or no, do you think the... A uh, three-month IPA cycle is a I, good idea. You know what? I do think it's a good idea. It's not for everybody. It's not for and even within the same brewery. It's not for every beer. Right. But I think I think this should. This is a practice that should be done more often. Yes. Like I won't say it's for everybody, and not definitely not for every beer. But this should be happening. There should be more examples than Duckman, and there probably are more examples than Duckman. Yeah. Duckman but this is we're just not keyed into them, right? Um, I would say. Yes, definitely. And I would actually say the opposite of what you said and I and say it's for every brewery. I think it is for every brewery and I it's for every consumer too because you want to be able to go into a store and know that most likely it's good. Like if it's a hoppy beer it's good. I think you only do it for hoppy beers too. Right. Uh, you don't need to do it for other stuff like stouts. Who cares? Put out stouts whenever you want. Some of them a lot of them are actually better when they age, so you're fine. But I think that everyone should do it, and if you're a smart brewery, you can watch the numbers and you can figure out what amount of time and what amount of beer is appropriate to put out after whatever amount of time. Right. I mean, there are – okay, so we were talking about seasonals before. There mm-hmm. are certain things that – like just by the nature of, of the style are once-a-year beers. Yeah. Um, uh, pumpkin ales, Christmas ales. Harvest ales. Yeah, the fresh hop. You yep. know, those are once a year things because of the nature of what they are. But things that are like, uh, like uh, I'm thinking of like uh, in, under investigation ale by, by Lagunitas or yeah. like, the, the, there's no reason why or that Lagunitas should be a one. Sucks. Right, it, Lagunitas sucks. Like, uh, I'm a big Lagunitas guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of their stuff I like a lot. Uh, but a lot of them, and there's no reason why those have to be once a year things. Those are those are they're they're like double duckman in the sense that they only come once in a while. But there's no reason why they couldn't be coming out more often than they are. Well, unless it, it is a tank space thing, yeah. Like I was saying before, so. But they probably yeah. have a rotating tank schedule, like you know. Yeah. They, no, they, no, they do. Definitely no, they do. definitely they, do. They definitely do. They definitely do. I've been in breweries. I see the white... They have whiteboards where they actually write those up. They're like grids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. 
You think this is an exhaust? It's exhausted the topic. We exhausted it. Yeah, it's good. Okay, good topic though. It was yeah. something I was just like randomly thinking about the other night, and I was just like, you know what? I should talk about this. I think it'd be a really good idea that people do this. So <laughs> breweries, if you listen, do this, man. It's a pretty do- in the weeds. Con- <laughs> yeah. Who's the audience for this conversation is brewmasters, which yeah. they know way more than we do. So <laughs> it's- <laughs> yeah, that's true. They they may be sit- if anyone is a brewer and they're sitting there. And they might be like, oh, God, there are so many things they're not even thinking about with this. <laughs> like, yeah, that's possible. So apologies for that. All right. Well, let's get to your last uh, grouping of mystery beers, Dan. So this is... Uh, to make it count. A is extremely hazy. Yeah. It's straw like, yellow. It looks like pineapple juice. Yeah. It does look like pineapple Cause juice. Because it's hazy. It's hazy. It's And when it was poured, like it had a really big white head to it. Uh, there's still a decent amount of uh, head to it there. Yeah, and we were, um, you know, this could be a wit, it could be a goza, Berliner Weiss. Could, yeah, I mean, I'm whatever. looking forward to it. It could just be like a really juicy ass, um, like IPA. Yeah, who knows? Totally. Let's smell it. I'm definitely looking forward to this. Oh. Oh my God! There's so much fruit in here. Yeah, there's a lot of fruit. It kind of smells like that pineapple manna, doesn't uh, it? So I'm smelling like peach, and then also oh. something like um, like guava. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see the guava. I feel like I get a little bit of a hit of lemon in there, too. Yeah, a small amount. Like, the, the actual, like, just like zest, like a lemon zest. There's a I'm little bit of bitterness on the nose, too. Something like, um, like candied lemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, getting that peach more and more. Um, yeah, there's something, yeah, peach, but then also just something tropical in there, like... I think the guava's not a bad guess. I think, I think you could be right on that one. Yeah, and I won't say passion fruit because... (laughs) No, actually, that's a good point. It it is passion fruitish. It's very tropical, though. Like, like, you nailed it. It's very, very tropical. Yeah, but it's also... It doesn't um, smell hoppy, though. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a lot of times you uh, sometimes you get floral and you think flowers, and sometimes you think floral and you think vanilla. Mm-hmm. But it smells like a like a passion fruit wheat beer. Yeah, or it could, something it could like definitely that. be a wheat beer. It could, yeah, it's got a little bit of like a finish, like a wheat smell to it. Yeah, I mean, it smells like it's going to be creamy. So mm-hmm. that cardamom in there, no coriander. Coriander? Uh, There's a spice in there. Okay, so it's extremely floral. Uh, very the A lot of those same flavors, uh, when I'm tasting mm-hmm. it, of peach and tropical. It's got yeah. a real kind it's of... It's creamy, too. Yeah, very creamy. And also light, so it's it doesn't linger on your tongue. This is good. It is good. Uh, it definitely has like a coriander... And maybe a little cardamom type aspect to it. I don't think it's that weird. you. So I don't. It's I don't think you're thinking of the right thing. That when because cardamom I think has like a menthol thing to it. Does it? Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like but, I'm getting now. I think I feel like I'm getting a little cardamomish. You know what? I think there is passion fruit in this. I really do. Uh, <laughs> and this is actually coming off a little bit because there's a little tartness too, like a lemony tartness to it. And it tastes wheat-like. This has got to be a wheat. Um, it tastes kind of like Avery Brewing's Lilacoy Capolo. 
is what it tastes like. Oh, Lilikoi? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or maybe... Um... Which Lilikoi actually means passion fruit. Lilikoi is passion fruit. Really? That's what Those that is. Those are the same yeah. thing? Yeah. Oh. I found that out not long ago. Did I find it out at that uncle's restaurant? I think I did. It also could have, like, a, there's a kind of also a lychee characteristic to there. Yes, I could definitely see that. You're right. Which is, I'm, I'm a, I love lychee. It's, it reminds me of, of um, I, I used to go to these Chinese restaurants, they're uh, Korean Chinese restaurants, and uh, they used to always serve, like, fresh lychee as a free dessert at the end of your meal, and it, I, used to, I used to always love it. So I, I have a real special place in my heart for lychee. Yeah. And it, this is reminding me of that. This is a very nice beer. I actually really like this. This is really coming together. You know, this is... I wonder if... Um, it's a tiny bit reminds me of a Shandy. I don't think it's a Shandy, but it... I can see that. It kind of reminds me of a Shandy. And... Oh, what's that? We had like a... You know, kind of reminds me of is that Kugel's grapefruit something that we had that... Like uh, a long time ago, was it the grapefruit shandy? Yeah, it was like yeah, a grapefruit shandy. Yeah, it reminds me more of that Avery Lilacoy Capolo, which um, it just seems like a wheat beer with passion fruit added to it, yeah, or some fruit. Yeah, yeah. Would... like it's definitely fruity. It's definitely tropical. A lot of tropical aspects. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just peach. There's a yeah. lot going on, and there's. Like well, like I was saying, like a little bit of coriander, a little bit of cardamom in there, so it's like a spice character right. as well. But re- everything just like starts folding together when you. Just you know, keep I find a lot of times that certain fruits remind me of peaches, but then if you want to yes. have a peach, right. actual like a actual peach beer, it yeah. doesn't taste the same. Right. I agree. So so this is even though I'm reminiscent of peach, I don't think it's actually peach because I when I have peach beers, they don't taste. Like this, I agree with you on that. Uh, and there's a significant tartness to it. Yeah, it's Pretty not significant. It's not puckering. It's just pleasant. It's re- it's just refreshing. I mean, it gives me a little bit of extra mucus creation in my mouth. Uh huh. Generation. I don't know. Extra mucus. <laughs> Bottom line. Extra mucus. Not crazy though. Like I do get with a lot of sours. So. All right. Well. um... Let's go ahead and jump to B. I think we said enough about A for the moment. Uh, B is dark. It's been a theme. We've had plenty of dark beers for you, Dan. Well, these are these are all beers that Rebecca wanted to try, and we yeah. know how Rebecca likes dark beers. So there's like a brownish reddish hue around the edge, but pretty much can't see through it. Uh, as I swirl it up, I'm getting a eh. lot of roast in in the smell. I'm, I've already moved on to smell. That's fine. <laughs> go ahead. You got a lot of roastiness. Yeah, I got a, a lot, lot of chocolate. Yeah, and it t- it smells. I mean, it's it, it's weird to describe a, a mouthfeel and a smell, but it smells chalky, like mm. like dry cocoa powder or something like that. I can see the dry cocoa powder. There's a fruitiness in there as well. And you, um, I think in the last episode you were talking about. Um, Licorice. Yeah, yeah. Licorice, yeah. exactly. Yeah, there's a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of licorice in there. There's also a little bit, Zod, but a little bit of like a fruit roll-up yeah. type smell in there. Maybe a little strawberry fruit roll-up. Hmm, that's interesting. Let me go back. I'm also getting a pretty good amount of hops in here. Yeah, yeah, there, there's a decent hoppiness. Uh, this is actually hearkening back a little bit to that Rocky Road 
that we had by the smutty nose. We were saying we were getting a lot of hoppiness on the nose, and it was a good mixture between the malt and the hops. Yeah. Uh, this smells like it's the same kind of right. balance. But in this, I, mean, I would say the two main flavors I'm getting in the smell are the, the roast and the hops. Whereas yeah. in the smutty nose, it was just getting so much coffee. Yeah. I get a slight soy in there. Yeah. At the, at the very end. I can see that too. I often get soy in, in these beers. All right. Time to go in. Hmm. I'm getting a little, I'm getting some chocolate. I'm getting, oh, what is that at the end? Uh, I get a little bit of like red wine grapes. Yes, that's a good pull. The skins, like the tannins from red wine grapes. Yeah, there's 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 actually a lot of hops in here. And there's a, something a little like there's an aftertaste of like like wet blanket or something in here. Yeah, I I I see what you're saying. Yeah, I agree with that. Um try I'm getting I'm getting a bit of that soy sauce on the flavor too, yeah. actually. But you know, there's something like Wet blanket, wet dog. Like, there's something a little bit funky in there. Yeah, there's something that that does taste a tad bit off. Uh, maybe like a dirty dish rag. Type. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, the, we're in the same area. There's a little cherry to it as well uh, on the finish. Um, don't see any of that licorice we were talking about uh, getting. I'm getting a little bit of... um. You know those chocolate candies, they're shaped like an orange, and when you smash them, they, uh, they split into orange segments? Mm-hmm. You know those chocolate oranges? I'm getting a little bit of that chocolate orange in there, too. Yeah. Um, I gotta be honest, there's something with the end of this beer. I think that tannic quality that's also kind of like, um, it's coming off a little vomit-like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's a little bit like bile, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... You're right. I mean, you first you get like honestly, my first flavor is hops, and then I get roast. Yes. And then I get kind of that wine cherry thing, yes, yes. and then orange. But then I get a then big long thing of that unpleasantness that we're talking it's about. Bi- the the very 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 well. Actually, let me pedal back a minute. I think the the taste progression you just laid out is spot on for me as well. And I think that thing at the very end is a combination of Tastes like red wine barrel aging where you're getting the tannins from the red wine grapes and you're getting that kind of like woodiness from the barrel and then you're also getting like stomach bile kind of mixed into it. <laughs> and it's it's and it's really bitter and it's actually – it's kind of turning my stomach a little bit to be right. honest. I mean your use of the word stomach bile is kind of affecting my ability to enjoy this <laughs> Like, honestly, it, it makes me feel kind of sick. Right. To be now, honest. And I, as I take another step. I mean, on, we, I think it's better than what we're describing it. But the 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 late note, flavor note on this is so distinctive that and, and we have so to mention it. It's off-putting, dude. It is off-putting. It's like, it's it's kind of oh, like... Oh, God. It's kind of like... Um, fla- actually really bad. It's kind of like Flaming Hot Cheetos in the sense of like... It gets hot, so you you you're forced to eat another one in order to to get rid of that taste. But then you're continue. It's a vicious cycle. And in this, it's like I have that unpleasant aftertaste, so I have to take a new sip in order to get rid of that taste. And then the aftertaste comes again. Yeah. So 
Um, oh God, I don't like that. I can't. It's, it's. I mean, it's it's good until it gets to that very end. Yeah, I know. And that's that's like I can't drink more any more of this. Hundred percent, I cannot because it legitimately is making me feel ill. Yeah, it is turning my stomach. It is straight up turning my stomach. That's gross. And I will say also that this beer we have in front of us is a tiny bit cold for what this style is. But if it was more room temperature, I think that aftertaste would be worse. Yes, I agree. Uh, because when it's colder, it makes the flavors clam up a little bit. So in that case, yeah, it's better that it's not warmer. Oh, God, that's bad. I feel conflicted <laughs> on how to rate that because, well, because honestly, there is some good stuff. Yeah, because it just... starts off well. It starts mm. off well. It I does. Don't, I don't know if something went wrong or just kind of the flavor combinations are fighting each other. Something's very wrong, though, with that beer. Oh, ugh. But I went back to A, and A is very pleasant still. Very pleasant. And in comparison now, like, ridiculously pleasant. It's just, yeah. It's really good. It's nice. I would say it's good. It's. I won't say it's really good. I, it's really enjoyable beer. You know what? There's an, an A. The flavors are good, but then when you kind of step, when I step back, there is kind of an artificial quality to it. To, in my mind. Okay. I can I, I can see where you're going on that. Whereas like right. like as opposed like like it doesn't taste like fresh fruit. It tastes like the candy version of that fruit. Okay. I see what you're saying. There is like a sugary type quality to it that could be playing into that. Like, yeah, it's more like yeah. an extract versus like, you know, but it's, I'm saying it's good. I'm just, I can't give it super top marks. Mm -hmm. All right. So ratings, um, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, a, um, I like this quite, quite, quite a bit. Um, I'm going to go six. Wow. That's, I like it a lot. This wow. Is, it's a very nice beer. You know, I, nice. I liked it, uh, and then I liked it a little bit less on second showing, so I'm going to yeah. give this a four, which is still good. That's fine. It's still overall five. That's really good for this podcast. And B. I'll let you go first on B. Uh, you know what? I. It's such a shame, because this, this beer had a lot of potential. It like did. It smelled good, yes. and then yep. it, at first it tasted good. But you just can't ignore its flaws, and its flaws are significant. Uh, this gets this gets a two. Okay. So I was going between the one and two, to be honest. Uh, uh, going between that, and in the end, I'm going to go one. Wow. Because I think it's a fair rule to say any beer that actually makes me feel like I might throw up, yeah, should be a one. <laughs> No, I know. So. I know. It's it's it ends so badly. Well, and here's the thing. When I took my first sip of it, I felt ill. Like I felt my stomach turn and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what's going on. I haven't had that much alcohol." And I'm like, "What is ha what did I what did I do to myself?" Yeah. And then I was just like, I didn't think it was the beer itself. So then I took another sip and it happened again. And it was just like I took numerous sips of this beer. I gave it a lot of tries. Every single time, I got that same queasy feeling wow. after each sip. That's not acceptable. That is 100%. Whoever made this beer, you had a good beer to start with, and then it became a problem. There was a serious problem with this beer. You should have never bottled or canned this. You should have never sent this out. This is terrible. 
Well, I mean, it's a question of like, uh, was it just bad execution or a bad idea or did it become infected? Yeah, maybe it was an after the fact. Like it could have happened in the bottles. I don't know. But that's an issue. That's a yeah. huge issue. That's Be- nasty. You know what? Cause, I mean, we're going to have to find... We'll, we can talk more about it when we find out what it is. Yeah. So let's go ahead and do the yeah, reveal. let's do that. All right. Well, actually, I kind of feel like in this instance, maybe we should do the worst one last. Yeah. So we because can talk about it. Yeah. Because it's taking so much spotlight. But So let's give a moment to, to Beer the A. Yeah. The winner. Because like, Beer A did a really good job, and it gets an overall five, and it's a winner. Uh, the winner of the episode is... Oh, shit, yeah, okay, awesome. Uh, this is a beer that I just had sitting in my fridge, and I remember liking it when I had it, uh, but it's been a while. Um, this is by uh, Five Rabbit Cerveceria. Uh, they're out of Chicago, and it is their Five Lizard. It is a Latin-style wit beer. It's a wheat beer brewed with coriander, lime peel, and passion fruit. You nailed the coriander. I got the coriander and the passion fruit, so... Very nice. Yeah, this, uh, I ordered, the, it's, oh, by the way, it's 4.3% alcohol. Nice. So you can drink the shit out of this. And I ordered this from Craft Beer Temple. Chris Quinn. Uh, Chris Quinn's store online. Very nice. I was very happy with this beer when I drank it. Uh, it's been a while since I've had one of these, and I'd forgotten I had one still in my fridge. Yeah, so. it's, it's fruity without being too tart. It's really good. And it's, uh, it's really drinkable. And this is a we talk about I talk about beer with you have a food you don't need food with this at all you just Mm-mm. you just drink it this is a porch beer this is a beach beer like it's an awesome beer it kicks so much ass this is I want to order it again from Chris Quinn this is like yeah this is sit on your couch and just in, in, enjoy life beer I'm a fan well kudos Five Rabbit you did a really good job that Five Lizard is so nice. Well, let's find out who has not done a good job. Who did a shit job with this beer? Um, all right, so overall 1.5 made us want to vomit is... Good God. What happened? I this see is, Dogfish Head. It's Dogfish Head Palo Santo Marone. What? There is something wrong with this beer. Oh, that beer got infected. There is something wrong that with this beer. That has to be an infected beer. Because Palo Santo Maroon is typically very good. 12% alcohol by volume, malt beverage aged on Palo Santo wood. Yeah, something happened to this. Something happened. You know, Palo Santo Maroon by Dogfish Head is such a highly venerated beer. Well, because it's awesome, typically. Yeah. I mean, this is a beer that... that What happened? Rebecca's actually standing right here, and she's shocked, too. Uh, Rebecca, want to want to say some yeah, words? Yeah, you don't want to say anything about I it. I don't think it was as bad as you guys thought, but it wasn't what I was hoping. Did it taste infected to you? It just it didn't taste like how I remembered it. We were saying that the it has like a very bad lingering aftertaste. Very bad. I mean, the smutty nose is far superior. Yeah, the smutty. Rocky Road, right? The Rocky Road, yeah, from yeah last episode. And so this, so God, so, uh, quality control, man. I I know dogfish has quality control. So what happened? It must've been an in the bottle issue. So I want to talk a little bit about Paulus and Marone, just its reputation. Yeah, it's a great one. Right. So it's, one, it's expensive. And yes, 
one, yeah, it's expensive and it's really highly rated if you a person that cares about that thing. Uh, I remember on the podcast Beer Download in Chicago, this was one of their competition beers and those guys were this this is a mult it was a it was because it was a it was a bracket competition. Mm-hmm. This went several rounds winning and winning and yeah. winning. Uh, they were always talking about it. This is one of those beers you see in the people people uh, go out of their way to talk yeah. good things about this beer. Yeah. Something super bad happened to this yeah, thing. There's something very wrong with this beer. I think it must have. And that sucks a- because I'm assuming that this is one that we have had sitting downstairs. You just bought it? Holy shit. Uh, that I makes mean, me wonder what the stuff in our basement tastes so is like there, right now. Is there, Probably tastes fine. Is there a possibility that something other than infection happened with this? I mean, maybe I don't just know. In, Maybe just ingredients changed? Or the no, wood, probably not. Or the, no, like, the, like you know, like... Um, Someone took um, a dump in no, the... In no, the, like a... Like, Palo Santo tank. <laughs> you have two different apples... You have two different apples, and one tastes like crap, and one's great. Like they're both, right. but when you're when you're buying it, they're both an apple. Right? So you mean like ingredients wise, like the it was quality a bad, of ingredients? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, I would think that some sort of infection happened. It tastes it tastes horrible. Like un, you cannot drink it. I mean, that's I don't want to overstate because dr- we were saying I that I drank it. We were. You feel like you're gonna throw up? Um, no, it's bad. You it's bad. I will say that you have a sensitive stomach, Carl, mm-hmm. compared to most people. Yes. Well, thank you. That's true. I think it's a compliment. It's <laughs> <laughs> five lizards kick ass, though. Yeah, I just good. finished it off. It's great. Love it. I'm gonna pour myself a little bit more of this wicked weed silencio. Yeah, yeah. We've still been working that. Okay, cool. Well, I think that brings us to the very end. Um, I'm sad to see you go, Dan. Sad. I think the listeners probably are too. Uh, I think they are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you inviting me to move in, Carl? <laughs> uh, we do have a guest room. We also do have a lot of beer that we need to get through, so maybe. Right. And your cat loves me. <laughs> She's afraid of you for some reason. <laughs> At any rate, thank you so much, Dan, for being on. I really appreciate it. Total pleasure. Thank we you had for some good me. combo. So. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Please reference last episode for all my plugs of the social medias. Right. Uh, it gets tiresome, social media in right. general. But, and you the know. open invitation to come to your house. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. And until next time, keep it brutal. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.